0: She's spent over 25 years managing a variety of projects. She leads teams throughout the life of a project to bring hospitable thinking into every space she designs. She's the managing director at Avroco's Miami studio. Ladies and gentlemen, Kimberly Jackson. Welcome, Kimberly.
1: Hi, Dan. Thank you for having me.
0: It's so good to have you. And you, what? I'm excited to speak to you about for many different reasons, <clears throat> one of which is I know so many people that left New York to move to warmer pastures, <laughs> and I think you might be one of the first that I've known, like always known as a New Yorker, um, <laughs> that's now down in Miami. So I, I'd love to think about that and like the the change that you've experienced, or, or your current, or you're undergoing. Right. But also, before we get into it, obviously, you know, defining hospitality. What does hospitality mean to you?
1: Well, I think, you know, when one speaks of hospitality, I think in mind of um, interactions and um, interactions with the people around you. A lot of times we solely think about hospitality spaces, whether it be hotels or restaurants, but hospitality really is a mindset. It is how you interact with your friends, your family, your colleagues, your um boss, your, you know, employees, um, it's truly a part of your world view. And are you being hospitable to the people around you versus are you just building hospitality spaces? (laughs) So.
0: So I think I'd, I'd love to pull on that a little bit as far as like, cause in the intro I was saying how. You're bringing the idea of quote hospitable thinking into every space that you and Avroco at large, and through all that meteoric growth that you guys have had over the (laughs) years, like walk us through that idea. Like, how does what hospitality means to you tie into that, or in in, weaving into that idea of um, hospitable thinking into the into the projects and the teams that you're building?
1: Well, I think with I guess we have to talk about what hospitable thinking is. Perfect. And so it's, um, it's really an all-encompassing concept based on behavioral science and environmental psychology that talks about four key moments or elements. Um, we call them the four S's. Um, but it's really how the space is, um, it's, it's about how it is perceived by the guest. And so, the four S's that we talk about are security, surprise, significance, and synergy. Um, so security, let's start there, being not necessarily, you know, are the doors pure or anything like that, but more, are you making your guests feel comfortable? Do they feel at home? Are they relaxed? Do they feel safe in their environment so that they can kind of shrug off whatever is going on in their day and, um, just feel comfortable. Um, surprise being that element of delight. Um, you know, you want to make sure that as people walk through your space, um, there are things, there are little touches that kind of catch them by surprise. Um, significance, making your guest. um, really feel important uh, whether it be remembering their birthday as simple or something like that or having special spaces in or, or locations in the uh, in the space where people are elevated and they feel a little bit more significant and then synergy which really brings everything together and making the whole much greater than the individual parts and for me that means, really taking a look at either these other individual parts of the four S's or looking at how operations, brand, um, the concept of the space, the built environment all come together to make the environment greater than any one piece as well. So there's a lot of, a lot of little nuances to hospitable thinking. Um, but I think it really is the backbone to how we approach projects and when I think about it, when I kind of extract that a little bit, it's the backbone bone of how I like to look at my studio um, mm. here in Miami um, with all of my team members, and you know, having them feel secure and significant, and you know, filling their days with little surprises. That that's also part of being hospitable and hospitable thinking.
0: So I'm curious, this idea of the four S's, where did it come up from? Where who came up with that? Where how was that?
1: <laughs> the Africa Partners, actually, they they are a brain trust, I must say. Um, they have their um, summits and they spend time really thinking about the work and what we do. Mm. Um, and they they came through with this idea of hospitable thinking, um, and it kind of blew me away, actually, I must say.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually quite intrigued, and especially because as the fa- I guess what. Well, there's a lot of things that I find as like a fanboy of Avroco and having known you guys, maybe not since the beginning, but kind of close. Mm -hmm. Um, what makes you guys Avroco unique also, I think is aside from just like the amazing aesthetic and incorporating these four S's into every project. Avroco is also owner operator in a lot of different restaurants and bars. So it's like. And it's almost as if they're they're investing and I say they you guys are investing your blood sweat tears and capital into creating these laboratories of hospitality and it's interesting that those four s's were kind of have distilled to the top of them so to speak and um as you were recounting security surprise significance and synergy i'm I was my brain was just going back to all of the different places avroco restaurants that and bars that I've been to and just really thinking about each of those and I was like oh wow they do check the boxes on all of <laughs> on all of the on on all the on all the um on all the spaces
1: I think that you know I I think because there is the background of of ownership and operations. Um, a lot of this kind of was distilled from that as well. Mm. Um, just understanding the guests in a different way than, um, just designing the spaces, but really thinking about hospitality as a whole. Um, you know, from the design to, or even before that, location to design to, um, you know, planning to operations, um, to really just taking ownership of the space.
0: And as we were talking about all of those, I, for some reason, my brain keeps going back to public Yeah. because I feel like that, well, all of the places that I've been to, and I think I've been to almost all of them, all of that is resonating with me in a major way. But (laughs) but as I'm thinking about, like I've had some just incredible memories at public in particular. And it does check all of those boxes. And it's interesting how, not just from the built environment, that they're incorporating those four S's, but also I'd love to hear about, and I'm very intrigued by how you're doing that as you guys expand, because, you know, obviously New York, San Francisco, now you're down in Miami. Where else are you? And like, how are you taking those four S's into your places of work?
1: We're also in London and we're also in Bangkok. Oh, wow. um, so we're, we've five studios now, um, all over the world. So we cover, we cover pretty much every corner of the world at this point in time, which is wonderful. Um, but I think each studio has its own managing director and we action, um, these items in our own studios in different ways. Although we are still a part, each of us a part of the whole. Um, you know, all the managing directors talk all the time. We, um, you know, we actually, become fairly close over the years. I've known some of these guys for 11 years. So, um, you know, we've all kind of come up with Avrico, a bunch of us. Um, so each of us really takes these ideas. And like I said, actions them a little bit differently in each studio. But we want to make sure that the culture of Abrako really is hospitable. Mm. Um, that's one of our main tenants in our kind of cultural manifesto if i must say um is is, we are hospitable um and this is these are little pieces of what that means
0: and aside from being hospitable as a team and a group in all the different in the five different offices it's manifesting in its in a way of you know winning design firm of the year working on all these incredible projects and it seems like you're the i don't know i just when I walk into an Avroco space, I'm like, oh, is this is <laughs> Avroco, right? There's like a, there's a feeling of it, but it's not, but it's, but it's also so varied. So yeah, is there a, like, how, is there a methodology or it just kind of happens where those four S's get incorporated, not just into the teams and the offices that you're building, but also into the projects? Like, is there a, is there a thread that ties them all together?
1: I think. I mean, obviously each of the studios have their regional variations. Um, a project out of Bangkok is not necessarily going to look exactly the same as a project out of Miami or New York for that matter. Um, but at the same time, because Abrako has really come from this operational side, as well as the design side, um, we do think about these, whether it's Consciously at the top of the, our mind saying, okay, here are the four S's. We need to make sure we're doing that. Or just out of uh, a method of trying to create spaces mm. that are hospitable. And I think this foundation is there. But if you're truly thinking about your guest in a manner to be the most hospitable, some of this comes naturally.
0: I think in li- hearing you say that and thinking about, my experiences of being in an avroco hotel or restaurant okay i get the security i get the significance i get the synergy but i do think somehow you guys are really excellent at incorporating that idea of surprise and and to me if i were to like layer them all out like the surprise one just speaking from my experience is like (laughs) is like the heaviest or the uh the um has the largest gravitational pull from my experience, because there's, it's, it's really, I don't know, there's always something at each of these properties that really just surprises me. And it's not like it's slamming you in the face. It's there's like this subtle, but powerful surprise. And that's gotta be like a really difficult, um, balance to achieve on a project.
1: It, it is, I think that we, that's something that I know we consciously do it's usually top of mind okay what is it about this project that is going to push the boundary a little bit that's going to surprise as you said the 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 guests or even you know the ownership team (laughs) how can we how can we throw something in there that's a little um out of left field Mm -hmm. um it's also built into our design process a little bit um in the way that we start our narratives and our concepts Um, we always look for that one extra little thing on the side that we can layer into our narratives uh, to make that a driving force of uh, how we design going forward so Mm. it starts from the very very beginning
0: so then i'd actually love to dig into that a little bit because you also have a branding company a branding agency a creative i don't know how whatever you want to call it it's a brand bureau right and They, you're, you're working on so many different projects. It's not some, oftentimes brand bureau is not the first on board to set up the pillars of the brand. Um, and sometimes they are, but when you're, when you're really establishing that narrative, whether, is there a difference between when you guys do it yourself from brand bureau level to ha- working with a third party branding agency, or sometimes I'm, I'm sure there's just not even. Um, you're just going into the project like is there a difference in how you establish that narrative and um, is there a preference
1: yeah I think the narrative that I'm speaking of is really about the specific space um, and that typically comes from the interior design team um, when we're looking at brand bureau whether we're looking at their um, strategy department who are who are really creating that uh, that grounding for a brand, I think mm. that's quite different because then you're talking about a, a brand narrative and a brand strategy. Um, what I mean is a sp- specific spatial strategy and a spatial narrative for each design that we go into. Understood. Um, and then we also do work, we do have our brand bureau does have a graphics team that then would come in and does some of the environmental graphics and the branding as far as the, a brand stamp or logo, Mm. um, other brand fonts and things like that. And sometimes they will pull that from, if it's an existing brand that they need to change, they'll look at those tenants or they'll look at our original design narrative and Mm. and kind of take cues from the interior design narrative as well. So we both work in different streams, but when we're working together, we try to collaborate and bring a single idea, um, but from two different sides
0: and You know, time being the most valuable asset all of us have, is there a difference in a, in a project makeup or timing or efficiency or, or power where you guys are doing, where Brand Bureau and Avrocore are involved at the same time? Like, do you, do you feel a difference in that? And then what would that be?
1: I do. It's actually, I've worked on a couple of projects. With brand bureau where we started together at ground zero um it's it's really exhilarating they have a different process than we do obviously from the interior design side especially the strategy team and when those two sides get together whether it's you know the the strategist working on the, the overarching kind of strategy for the ownership team and then they have with that a powerhouse senior designer, interior designer who can reinforce but have their own narrative as far as how the architecture is coming together. I think those two things aligned from the beginning just creates such a powerful moment in um, both environmental space and just mental space where you're watching these two teams um, create things like a Giant brand book or complete, you know, strategy guide for an entire um, complex of buildings and spaces and, um, you know, uh, just hospitality, a, a giant hospitality region. So it's mm. it's really neat to to see that come together. Um, you know, alternatively, when we're just the ID team is designing a space for a particular owner and having. Brand Bureau come in and do the environmental graphics and things like that. It's also really neat to work with them in that manner as well. I, I, it's really great having a sister company that can can kind of fill both roles with you, alongside of you, so yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm curious about that because I've like anecdotally more and more, I go, you know, going to conferences and I've always known the importance of the idea of brand, especially in like in the independent world, okay? Right. I've always understood the importance of brand, but I, I had always assumed, okay, yeah, I'm sure there's a branding company, but more often than not, I would think that interior design would drive really what that space wants to be. But I've been hearing more and more success stories of ownership groups in the independent space who bring on a branding agency at the very beginning to just really set it up and create those, the pillars and like the super high level, um, the top of the pyramid, if you will, about what's trying to um, be accomplished. And then that disseminates amongst architecture, interior design. um, I don't know, kitchen, uh, from kitchen equipment to just mechanical, like like it just rolls all downhill and creates like a, uh, a more co, well, what I would think would be from what I've been hearing and how people have been waxing on and on about it, just a more, um, aligned, Experience from, from the beginning.
1: Well, I think that depends on the type of space you're crafting. Mm. Really, if it's a brand that is kind of spatial heavy with their brand, um, you know, these are, this is the brand. These are the graphics you're going to see. These are the colors we're going to use. This is how the interiors will be across the entire brand. Um, that's one thing. And, and it works very well that way when you start with the branding company to set that all up. Um, if it's a brand that has more individuality with spaces, um, they might have their brand tenants, their brand strategy, they um, they're looking at who their, you know, consumer, their, their customer mix is. They're really kind of planning all of that out, um, as well as their brand logo and their graphics and everything. Mm. If their spaces are more individualized, I think that's where Avrico typically comes in. With our narrative for each individual space. Then each space can be crafted in a way that doesn't fight with the brand, but sets up an individual hospitable space um, that has its own narrative um, and has its own identity.
0: Yeah. And it's more in alignment with that fourth S of synergy, right? Maybe that's where I was trying to go. I I feel like (laughs) it, it really creates a more cohesive experience that And also, if done, like when you have all this surprise in the projects that you're working in, it's not like you're getting hit in the face with the surprise, so to speak, right? There's like a subtlety about you there, and it's like, oh, wow. Like there's a glow. I feel like all the Avroco projects I've ever been into, there's just like this glowing feel that I get in there. Does that make sense?
1: (laughs) It does. It does. I felt the same way before I start working at Avroco (laughs) and I still do you know I'll go into a space now and go yep this is we did this and this is you know I can see the mark and the history of um you know how Avroco has developed over the years in design you can see that coming through projects very Mm. clearly
0: well I've also heard you say a couple of times um talking about the team and Mm -hmm. just as you're growing into these five different offices, I would assume re- recruiting and finding people to join your team in all the different, in the different, in the five different cities, it must be challenging to find the right kind of person that, kind, that can embrace those four S's and hospitable thinking. It's kind of like that Danny Meyer, the, um, what does he call it? The hospitality quotient, right? There's a, I'm, I'm curious, how do you, as you're recruiting and growing, how do you re- find and attract those people that you have those synergies with?
1: It takes a lot of effort. <laughs> I just um, went through a recruiting effort here in Miami just recently. And, you know, it, it is remarkable. There actually are really good candidates out there. Um, and, you know, finding them, making sure they've got that hospitality, um, Drive. That's mm-hmm. one thing. You know, are they driven to really um be hospitable um, through through their work and through their interconnections with the team? Uh, that's really important to me. And so it takes a, well, a bunch of interviewing and a bunch of portfolio <laughs> wrestling, but there, there are really good candidates out there who have come through school seeing hospitality firms, you know putting out such amazing projects. Um mm. I'm not just gonna say Avrico. There are other, there are other <laughs> firms out there putting out great projects too. But um, you know, I think it's inspiring to that next generation seeing projects come forth that are just, you know, um, make people feel special, significant. Mm. And um that then, you know, breeds uh different type of designer who really want to focus on hospitality.
0: So I've also, and I've heard you say it in your, just now, like being special and significant. And you said earlier this kind of, it's not as not a zero sum game, but really like the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very difficult balance to attract, achieve, maintain, and grow into. Um, Having been in New York, and I'm sure you visited other offices of or other offices of Avroco as well. What's the most exciting part about building the team and infrastructure that you're experiencing in Miami? Um,
1: You know, the most exciting part really is, uh, I guess, seeing the joy in people to um, when they truly kind of embrace being a part of Avroco, which usually happens right away, which is good. Um But it's really exciting to inspire the next generation of Avroco designers, senior designer, you know, the next gen of the senior designers, the design directors, the managing directors of the world are, you know, the people in our studios right now. And that's exciting to be able to mentor and um, help foster them.
0: And for you personally, how do you deal with the humidity?
1: <laughs> well, I I went to high school in New Orleans, and I swore I was never going to deal with the humidity again, and here I am. Oh my gosh, what, where'd you
0: go wrong?
1: <laughs> I know, no, exactly. exactly. I think um, spending 20 years of New York winters is mm. kind of like, yeah, maybe I can deal with the humidity a little bit more. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and if you if you think about the the you know c- coming up through the the New York office at Averco over what is it eleven years? Yeah. Um, what do you miss most about the mothership in New York?
1: Uh, the people. The people. Yeah. So, know, um, luckily we all stay in touch. Um, the uh, the offices as I mentioned earlier, are really interconnected and. Of course, with Miami and New York being in the same time zone, we are very interconnected um, with our, I mean, our global team is still in New York. Um, so our technical direction, our um finance team, our HR team, they're all in New York. Um and so we talk all the time, uh, which is great. But yes, there's some, you know, individual folks who I kind of came up with in Averco are still back in New York. So mm.
0: And then how, how often are you getting up there and are other people looking to escape from New York to come down like in the depths of winter to get some remote work done?
1: <laughs> I've had a couple of requests, yes. <laughs> and definitely um, we've had some visits uh, by by some, like our, our, our RC, RC team um, have come down to do visits, you know, business, which is great, but also uh, they cho- choose the timing of their visits very carefully. So I get more visits between December and February <laughs> than I typically do any other time mm-hmm. of the year. Uh, <laughs> but um, but no, the people are coming down to, to say hello. And I get up to New York at least a couple of times a year, um, if not for conferences, and then to s- stop by the studio uh, just to go up. And um, we have our associate summit up in New York and things like that. So I, mm. I do get to go up, go back up, and say hello, and wander around the city for a couple of days.
0: Wonderful, yeah. <laughs> you got to get, get plugged in back up there in the cold. Um,
1: <laughs> that usually is not during the winter. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: Hopefully not in the summer either, because then you can't oh, and you that can't too. Escape.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so one other thing that I've noticed about you in particular is we're also busy. Our everyone's most valuable asset is the time that they have in the, in the day outside of sleeping, right? And we have right. to be very intentional about how we allocate our efforts there. So obviously mm-hmm. you've moved to Florida, you're building an office and a great team and working on really cool projects. Some of which, or many of which you can't talk about because they're like being birthed right now, so to speak. Right. <laughs> but I was also struck, not surprised, but struck because I know it must take a lot of time. And you really believe in this but um tell us about hdac the hospitality Ah. design action council because i think you you were like one of the founding charter leaders of it and what drew you to it like how do you like and it's a really it's a really awesome group of people and like what drew you to that and like as busy as you are
1: you know it's interesting i you know everybody's busy right Um, but hdac it's uh Hospitality Diversity Action Council. Um, it was started as a group of individuals who, we, there was one particular person, uh, Stacey Schumacher, who reached out to many um, in the industry, in the hospitality, Who and she wanted to start this council. Um, there was a small core group of us that really, we just started meeting and talking about how we could better the efforts, um, in the hospitality industry of, you know, creating a more diverse inter- industry for everybody at all levels. And it just grew from there. Um, you know, I am on the board of that. So there are several board members. We've expanded quite a bit. We started a membership, um, committee, we've got a mentorship committee, we've got all sorts of things going on um, to really get our uh, nonprofit organization set up so mm-hmm. that we can really launch this to the world. We've been doing events at um, HD Expo and BBNY. Um, You know, we've been we've been doing talks and panels and things like that, just to bring more attention to the idea of having a more diverse hospitality industry, which is, it's really important. Um, I know there's a lot going on in the news right now of, about, you know, DEI and kind of pushed back against DEI efforts and things like that. But I think this is something that's incredibly important for our industry, um, just in the in the way that we need to have a diverse industry in order to create more diverse and um, hospitable, I'll stick that word under there again, hospitable spaces. Um, Mm -hmm. The more diverse we are, the more diverse people feel comfortable in our spaces um, because we can craft what makes more people feel comfortable.
0: And I'd also say that embracing diversity or giving your headspace for diversity in anything racial religious yeah, exactly. um economic mm-hmm. age related mm-hmm. it goes back to what you were saying a couple of times where it's that idea that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts and i think that's really what it's all about because if as humans we have such a varied like we're all human but we have such a varied life experience that we can all learn from it. I, I and again, that's also one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast because I get to talk to like really incredible people from every different kind of walk of life and and I don't know, it just make it like, as a curious human, it just it rounds out my life experience that I can share with my kids and friends and family uh-huh. and um I think just allocating more time to thinking about that um, and giving space to that is. It's huge and it will only pay dividends for everyone.
1: What's really exciting about HDAC is that it's not just a council of designers. It's not focused on one part of the industry, as in you know, interior design, which is where I kind of live, breathe, and work. But it's also made up of people who are investors, it's made up of people who are, are owners, um, they have their own hospitality groups. Um, you know, there are, um, yeah, it's just hospitality as an industry as a whole, you know, mm-hmm. encompassing all aspects of the hospitality industry, um, not just one section of it. Um, and so to have all of these diverse voices in um, all sectors of the industry is really amazing to understand the different challenges each sector has, and it actually makes me a better person within the hospitality industry because i actually understand a bit more about you know what this challenge is over here and what that challenge is over there um i think it's a great group of people to put together and to know
0: and i'm i'm glad you mentioned stacy's name stacy shoemaker uh rowan because i just want to also give her a shout out because (laughs) she's awesome she really saved me last week we i was at the um the HD Summit up in Vale. I was supposed to lead a group of skiers, um, as I do many years. But I woke up at like two in the morning, being up at high altitude. I couldn't think my brain. It felt like an ice pick was going through. Um, I was lying down on the, on the bathroom floor, just getting cold, oh. like trying to get cool. But yeah. I wasn't sick. I was just extremely dehydrated. So I let someone know I couldn't lead. I let Keisha know. And then somehow Stacy heard about it and she texted me a mobile IV nurse company person who basically came to my room oh, wow. and poked me full of like saline and vitamin B and all this other stuff and then I was like a rock star for the rest of the night but she really <laughs> made me feel very comfortable and kind of helped me save that trip so I just want to give Stacy a, a huge shout out she really helped helped out a man in need
1: Oh, that's
0: awesome. <laughs> when you think about the uh, the idea of, I'll, I'll dig into some more of those S's that we didn't talk about so much, sure. maybe like um, the idea of synergy and security, mm-hmm. um, really being, I guess, making other, everyone feel comfortable and then finding synergy. What's a good example of a project that you've worked on in the past that Kind of brings those fr- front and center that I, I could put photos up or but like what was it about those two the security and the synergy that you think can be experienced in the built environment
1: you know security it, it can be as simple as making sure from an interior design point of view making sure you're not putting people on a major path of travel you know mm-hmm. that never makes anybody feel comfortable or secure. They're sitting on a small stool and they're kind of in a giant aisle of people walking behind them constantly. Um, So there are many levels to security that you can talk about. That's like the the smallest, you know, that's, you know, if you're going to achieve something in security, that's the smallest amount you can achieve right there. Um, And there are other, there are other ways of doing that. Um, Synergy, I think to me, and I think maybe Everybody might think about this a little bit differently. For me, the idea of synergy is truly making sure that all of the pieces of the environment, not just the interior design, but, you know, we've crafted a space where the servers can easily traverse and get around and they feel comfortable and secure where, you know, the kitchen staff can come in and out and they feel comfortable and secure. There's the interaction with people you know, getting up and walking around versus, um, the hosts kind of meeting people through it, just everything working together in a way that the entire experience is one that is, uh, just, it puts you in another place you know and if
0: i'm hearing you correctly it's not just the people who are paying to be there it's also the people working there on their career path or how they're making ends meet Mm -hmm. do you have a like do you have an example like does one of the projects that you that you've worked on or that avroco's worked on kind of exemplify that in a meaningful way to you i'm sure they all do but like is there something (laughs) one of them that jumps off the page at you um you
1: know i think it's Interesting to be have you mentioned public and Mm -hmm. I also think back to Saxon parole. Um, you know, it's one where I actually knew individuals who worked at Saxon and parole and they always talked about it being an easy space and an easy environment to, um, to understand, to work in that flowed very nicely for them. Mm. Um, they actually really enjoyed their experience there. And that's something where not only the guests can enjoy the experience of the space, but the employees actually enjoy the experience of the space, Mm. making them comfortable. I think that's a really big win for interior design.
0: And then I remember the surprise there. There was a door in the back you'd go through. What was the... What was the name of that bar? You go. It was like behind the.
1: It's yes. It w- It went through two iterations. It Madame was Madame Gen- Madame Geneva for a yes. while, and then um, Ghost Donkey. It ghost was the Donkey. First, it was the first Ghost Donkey.
0: Wow! And where where's Ghost Donkey expanded to?
1: Uh Denver, um, Vegas. Um, there was one in Auckland, and. Not quite sure if it's still there. Okay, <laughs> um, but um, you know we we do have we do have a few. It's it's really exciting to see that brand take off.
0: Who came um, up with the name for Ghost Donkey? Because that's like one of the greatest names ever.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure which one of the founding partners, but one of them did, or all of them at the same time, because that's how they were, which is awesome.
0: <laughs> I'd like to believe it was all of them at the same time. Like, I do they were too. Around, actually, and they're just like. Ghost. They all, four of them said it at the same time. All in the Ghost same donkey. Time.
1: <laughs> and then they
0: all said, Jinx, can't talk till I say your name. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned that you grew, you went to high school in New Orleans. Did you grow up in Louisiana?
1: I did not. I did not grow up in Louisiana. I was in Louisiana only for three years, but mm. my both sides of my family, my mom and my dad's side of the family are all roots rooted from Louisiana.
0: Cool. And then, then you went up to Massachusetts, uh, Cambridge, it's in Cambridge, right? Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Um, I actually, I think I've shared this before, but I did a couple, a three year entrepreneurial program up at MIT and I bought a shirt and I could never wear the shirt because whenever I would look in a mirror, it would say Tim (laughs) and it just upset (laughs) me because I'm Dan, I'm not Tim. Do you have the same issue?
1: I, I don't. (laughs) although it is really funny
0: i don't know why it would just bug the shit out of me i'm like i'm dan i'm not tim i can't wear this
1: that's really hilarious
0: yeah as i
1: digress you know the mascot you know the mascot's name is tim right
0: oh no i didn't know that yeah the
1: beaver uh, yeah the beaver's name is tim
0: i had no idea but a beaver is a good engineer right they're always building (laughs) dams and lodges
1: first engineer yeah that's it
0: (laughs) see i just learned something i had no idea so you've you're down in miami you're building this great team you're working on great projects when you think and look out to the future short medium long term like what's exciting you most as you're looking out there
1: because our team in miami is is so young and i don't mean young in age but just we've only been here for two years um we I just, I, I want this team to grow and have a solid foundation. That's really what I'm looking forward to in the next few years, um, mm-hmm. to really help nurture the team down here, um, and, and watch it do what I know it can do. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, I'm also excited to see what comes out of this team, you know, mm-hmm. putting, putting all of these new Avroco, uh, thinkers together, uh and seeing what they can produce is, has been really exciting. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to right now.
0: <laughs> I love it. And then actually tying this into your experience, if you go back like 11 years ago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what was it that made you say, this is the place for me?
1: You know, it really was the people. Um, and a lot of those people are still around and are kind of the foundation of our kind of design brain trust in at Avrico at large. Um, You know, it's such a welcoming, hospitable (laughs) environment. Um, And each studio, and you know, feels like a family. So that's really as many people as we have around the world working under the banner of Avrico. um, Each studio you go to uh, feels like its own own little family, um, you know. We, we want to keep that uh, culture, that familial culture, going.
0: So it wasn't William, Christina, Adam, or Greg in particular, like one of them that was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah, this is for me."
1: It wasn't. It was all of the above. It was. They
0: all said "ghost donkey" at the same time. They all said like, "ghost
1: donkey" at the same time. Amen. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sign me up. I love it. <laughs> um okay, so now as a leader in the industry, you Kimberly Jackson, if you were to magically appear in front of the Kimberly Jackson you mentioned who was graduating high school in New Orleans, mm-hmm. what advice do you have for yourself? Ah, good
1: question. Um be a risk taker. Um, you know push the boundaries.
0: Tell me more about that. <laughs> Why would you give yourself that, that advice?
1: I think I, for me, um, looking back, I feel I waited a little bit uh, to really push forward what I could do. Mm. And um, I needed to have a little bit more confidence in my abilities. Mm. And so, yeah,
0: I'm curious about that too, because I I could say the same thing about my journey too. Just waiting, waiting. I've done a lot of things, but I also I do remember moments of just like being stuck in inertia and not being able to move. Um, what was the voice or the the clarion moment that helped you kick off those like concrete shoes or whatever you were wearing, whatever you felt like that anchor was that was holding you back? What 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 was it?
1: Part of it was, I think, realizing that I could have a voice and that I didn't have to kind of be on the sideline. Um, I didn't have to forever be only listening to, to learn. Um, I could start speaking up more to mm-hmm. encourage that learning um, and asking for that learning and kind of... Um, insisting <laughs> a little bit that um i i can do things and i need to do things so i don't know if there's one one exact moment but
0: so yeah. but, well I, just to learn more about that because it does come up on a lot of these conversations and one of the things i say in the beginning is i love shortening other people's journeys so if you were to <laughs> like to short for the benefit of others listening um and it might not have been one person or thing or moment, but yeah. whatever helped you cross that threshold, was it from within or was there, or was it from without in, in the sense that was a, was there someone that was like helping you get that courage or, or did it come from within?
1: I think a little bit of both, but there was definitely um, one of my mentors definitely did help um, I worked in this firm in San Francisco and the principal there, um, he took a big risk. And it wasn't, I'd, I mean, it wasn't really a big risk. I had performed. He knew I could do it. But for me, it was a big risk. He's like, put me in charge of this job and I'd never done that before. And I didn't know what I was doing, but he's like, you can do it. You can just do it. You know? And I was like, okay. Um, and so it was that kind of encouragement and then being able to kind of step up into that, even though I did need a little help, I needed, um, you know, somebody to come over and say, let's do it this way a little bit. But, you know, as a kind of like, I was like maybe intermediate which in architecture is like the job captain ish sort of role, um, you know, giving me a large amount of responsibility, more than um, what I would have requested at the time, more than what was happening with some of my colleagues around me. Um, and just having that faith in me mm. made me realize that hmm, maybe I can do this, maybe this is the right path.
0: I know you can. And, uh, <laughs> and then so two-part question like a little follow-up on that one if you do you want to give that mentor a shout out like who was that
1: sure it was mike mccall
0: mike mccall okay <laughs> yeah cool.
1: from mccall design group which no longer exists he retired but um yeah he was he was definitely one of my uh strongest mentors uh, Wonderful. when i was an up-and-coming architect
0: <laughs> and then actually i have two more follow-ups onto that one um how are you taking that experience of someone like kind of helping nudge you in a certain direction. How are you doing that? And how are you paying that forward to the team that you're building now?
1: You know, I think you do have to take a little bit of a risk with people that you see are developing, but may need just a little bit of a push. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you, obviously you'll, you'll help mentor them. You'll watch them you make sure that they're not drowning, but you do have to Take that bit of a risk and, and kind of not throw them in the deep end, but kind of take them with you into the deep end, um, so that they can start to you know swim on their own, um, or
0: maybe throw uh, them in with just one swimming, <laughs> on yeah, one, arm.
1: yeah, one arm, <laughs> they can keep,
0: keep their their mouth up towards their the the arm with the swimming on it, exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. So it's like a, it's a
0: gentle nudge out of the nest, so to speak.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, still being there to, like I said, help mentor or, you know, help problem solve, um, or Even sometimes they find out that that's not quite what they really wanted Mm -hmm. when you do that, which actually I think helps them as well. Um, Mm -hmm. it allows them to see clarity in their goals, um, to kind of, to, you know, just map out their path Mm -hmm. in a better way.
0: Okay. And then as a licensed architect and going through, you know, undergrad and graduate school, and then your, your exam or your, your exam for, to become a licensed, exams, exams. At, the,
1: at the time, at the time it was eight, I think now it's five, What oh, wow.
0: <laughs> I mean, so what, what helped you Change or like refocus from architect. I'm sh- you're an architect. I'm not taking that away, but like no. what hel- What helped you? What pushed you? Because you know, there's often this dividing line between architects and interiors, right? What pushed you or pulled you into? what pulled you into uh, interior design and then specifically hospitality and is keeping you here?
1: Um, well, that's a two part question. That I can really go into. <laughs> um, I think with Architecture, one of the things that Avrico really um, thrives on mm-hmm. is the interaction between interior designs, design and architecture. I mean, Avrico, two of the founding partners are architects. Um, they aren't interior designers. Um, and a good portion of the Avrico team is made of people who study architecture as opposed to interior design. We don't in the course of a project, distinguish between the two. Um, you know, architects, and interior designers work alongside of each other. We're all designers. We're all senior designers. We're, you know, we, we don't make that distinction, um, in our day to day work life. Mm-hmm. But I think the integration of both makes Avroco's work stronger. Um, some people are more versed in technical stuff more. Some people are more versed in FF&E and um, you know, picking fabrics and things like that, that I wasn't necessarily educated on specifically, Mm. but we get to the same place and we're educating each other. And, um, I think that makes for stronger designs so that each person in the studio can now do much more than they could coming in with one discipline or the other. And I think that's really important to the work that we do. Um, as far as hospitality, yeah, I actually worked in a hotel in high school um, in then, New Orleans. Uh, in New Orleans,
0: is it still around? Have we heard? It of is.
1: It? it is still around. It's still there. It was a big giant, has a big flag on it. <laughs> um, I was in a program uh, for students who wanted to uh, be in the hospitality industry, and at the time, my family history, my dad uh, owned and operated. Uh, several restaurants. So I was already had a bit of hospitality industry background. Um, and I wanted to check out what this whole hotel industry was about uh, as a high schooler. And so um, my senior year of high school, I was in a program that they rotated me around to different departments in the hotel. Um, every, every quarter, we had a different oh, wow. department to work in. And then we also had like a, a side class where we had to you know, study and learn finance and all that kind of thing. Um, and it intrigued me. It was really awesome. Um, and then I put that aside to go to college and grad school and everything else in between. Um, and then at the end of that, at some point in New York, I took a bit of a break and helped out a friend who um, was actually ill but owned a bar and ended up helping her manage her bar for a couple of years and so i've had all these little industry you know wades into the other side of the industry um right before i came to africa
0: <laughs> so. um th- and that's another thing that just fascinates me about hotels if you look at them as a platform they have so many different channels of business and by virtue of that experience within them from gift shop to front desk to you know the pool or or recreation or. There's always, restaurants, there's so many things that you can do and experience, but all in serving others Mm -hmm. and meeting others where they are at that moment. And I think, um, I'm glad you came back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Kimberly, if people wanted to learn more about you, the team you're building in Miami or Avroco in general, um, what's the best way for them to get in touch?
1: Um, For me, I think it's my LinkedIn Um, which is the easiest way Um, for Avroco in general, which is always, we're always looking for people to reach out to Avrico. Um, You know, we we love hearing from folks. We love hearing from from potential employees. Um, I think the best way would be either LinkedIn or Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Um, Great. Like our feed.
0: And we'll put all that in there. And as you were talking, I was just looking at like the founding partners and leadership team page. Uh Uh-huh when did tori go to san francisco and become the managing director i missed the whole memo she's awesome
1: <laughs> she's been there for um maybe a couple of years now wow maybe or maybe, just maybe over i knew that
0: and forgot or is it alzheimer's
1: maybe just over a year. oh wow
0: i didn't know she was out there anyway that's exciting i gotta reach <laughs> out to her um well this has been super wonderful for me and um, i'm just so glad and honored that you dedicated some of your time to this and sharing your story and experience and um, I can't wait to see what you're up to and, and how that team just continues to grow under, um, under your guidance. So thank you so much, Kimberly, for your time and your story.
1: Well, thank you, Dan. It's been a pleasure.
0: And thank you to all the listeners, because without you tuning in every week, we wouldn't be here talking to Kimberly and learning from her experience. So um, one plus one equals five. The whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And Kimberly, thank you so much for for sharing.